I'm Orb Kimbrough, Chairman and CEO of Midwest Bank Center, St. Louis's second largest privately owned bank. We are the proud sponsor, Form Focus, because when we dream big, we all rise together. Welcome to Form Focus, the podcast construction forum. I'm Tom Finan, the executive director and co-founder of the forum. On Forum Focus, you'll hear the stories of stakeholders in the St. Louis region's built environment. They're working to create inclusive, robust employment and economic growth. Forum Focus is diverse, it's unbiased, and it's civil. When Aurora Beeler graduated from high school, her dad bought her an acetylene welding rig. The young budding artist was concerned lest she burn down the family garage, so she enrolled in a welding class. She earned associate and bachelor's degrees in fine arts and went to work for a state-funded archaeological survey. But when the opportunity arose to put her welding skills to work as a union iron worker, she took advantage of it. Soon, her passion for social equity and justice, which began in high school, led her to become a mentor and activist for women in the trades and for imprisoned women seeking a fresh start. Now she has been named to head up the St. Louis branch of the Missouri AFL-CIO's Building Union Diversity Program, also known as BUD. Russ Signorino, the current director, is retiring in December. Let's listen to our conversation with Aurora Beeler. You have started, or when do you start as the, you're the director of BUD now at this point? Well, uh, so I'm pretty much uh, learning the ropes from Russ still. Okay. Um, I started, uh, was it October 4th? Okay. Yeah, so yeah, this is my second week. Um, but yeah, so I will be taking over for Russ. Uh, he's retiring at the end of the year. And so I'm kind of like tagging along and like introducing myself to people and seeing, you know, how the bud program is like running and like what, you know, what the students, like what the cohort actually does during the day. So I can get a feel for it. Um, in addition to, um, you know, working with Russ and like learning, learning all of the, the nooks and crannies. So. so you've had, and you're dealing with people with non-traditional paths. So You've had uh, your own path. I know you've gone from Bachelor of Fine Arts to iron worker, activist, political activist, uh, working with formerly incarcerated or incarcerated women, actually. So, um, and when you became an iron worker, you were an archaeological ceramic technician. Can you can you give us a little bit of your background and how you came into the trades and and what what your path has been? Yeah, so uh, I always knew that I wanted to do art, and um, I had uh, my dad gave me an oxyacetylene kit for my high school graduation, <laughs> but he's kind of old school. And so, you know, he's the kind of dad where he, show, he shows you how to do something once, right? And you're supposed to know how to do it. So I was terrified that I was going to burn the garage down. And I'm originally from Joliet, Illinois. Okay. And so what I did was I signed up for um, welding classes at Joliet Junior College while I was getting my associates. And uh, I found out about the iron workers because uh, a boyfriend at the time, his dad was an iron worker. And so he saw some of my welding samples and was like, hey, 
uh, have you ever thought about being an iron worker? And I was, I had no idea what it was, but I knew that he provided, you know, oh, like his job provided really well for his family. And I knew that he worked on bridges and he also worked on, you know, the, the barriers so people can't like veer off the highway, right? Like mm-hmm. all of those metal fences and stuff. Uh, but I didn't know the extent of what iron workers did, but I did know that they weld. Um, so eventually I go to SIUE and, uh, I've been, I had taken ceramics classes since I was 16. So I had always had an interest in ceramics, but I actually have a degree in sculpture because I enjoyed working with a lot of mixed media. And so for fun, I would go out and find clay samples and then, uh, you know, and try to fire them and like, you know, try to, you know, I just thought that was really fun because I always had an interest in anthropology. Uh, come to find out that's actually experimental archaeology. I had no idea. But um, so when college was starting to wrap up and I was about to graduate, I was trying to look for jobs in the St. Louis area that was working at ISAS. Um, and they hired me. And so I literally graduated on a Friday and I started with ISAS because I had a ceramics background. The Illinois Archaeological Pro- Project. Correct. Right. Correct. Yeah. And so I got hired on uh, just as a shovel bum. And <laughs> because when you have a really large archaeological like that, where I worked was where the San Mutual Bridge comes off of where Route 3 okay. used to be, right? So where the old stockyards used to be. So that site had been going on for a really long time. And so there was historic archaeology, uh, historical, historical archaeology for the stockyards. And then after that, when um, there was actually a lot of uh, like Mississippian and so right. uh, think of Cahokia, right? That was the largest civilization, but think of where we were at was almost like a suburb. And so there was tons of stuff. Well, there. they took all the mounds and out to Illinois, use for you, fill, right? And construction projects and so Well, that's the thing. Well, kind of. So in that area, you know, the, the, the river kind of sloped down uh-huh. and what was really nice about, uh, you know, this wasn't intentional at all, but essentially what they did when they were building the historical stuff, right, uh, for all of the industry back in, you know, 18-whatever, they actually filled it up okay. to make it level to build on top. So it actually preserved a lot okay. of, you know, in St. Louis, they did the opposite, right? They took down a lot of the mountains, right? right? But in the stockyards, a lot of things were actually preserved because of the infill from the historic, um, you know, from the stockyards and all the industry over awesome. there. Awesome. So that wrapped up, and then they hired me on. Uh, so I continued working um, with them, and I got hired on for the analysis team. And so uh, doing that was looking at all the ceramics that we found on the site and uh, basically categorizing them, looking, you know, there's different types of time periods, and so you would mark that. Uh, if you found something cool in the bag, right, you'd have to let, I'd let my boss know who is, um, you know, in charge, like she was like the, one of the head archaeologists. Uh, um, and then, you know, you do sketches, uh, you would weigh it, and then you would do data entry. And so I knew that um, I really liked doing that, but I didn't want to pay for a master's degree myself to, because uh, in order to actually like make more money in archaeology and, you know, a lot in a lot of fields now with a bachelor's, you pretty much have to have, to have a master's. And I knew that you didn't have to have that for the iron. So what I did was I applied for the iron workers and, uh, cause I was kind of, you know, getting tired of getting paid uh, a lower wage. And, uh, I wanted to start, you know, working on saving up for a house, 
you know, and, and, you know, things like that, uh, and provide for myself too, because my health insurance was going to run out. So, um, I went with the Ironworks and, um, I, I applied and I did the pre-apprenticeship training and they haven't been able to get rid of me since. <laughs> I was going to say, because <laughs> so, archaeology uh, and ironwork are, 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 are kind of related, right? I, we'll return to our conversation with Aurora Beeler in a moment. Listen, as Mark Bielicki of Laborers Local 110 explains why COVID vaccination is important to him. COVID uh, vaccination is very important. There's a lot of lives around us that have perished, and um, it also affected me and my family. It took my 51-year-old girlfriend on Thanksgiving Day last year, 2020. Uh, I also myself was in the hospital in grave danger of dying. So I think that helping the world better so we don't have this stuff happen to us, our family members, our co-workers, those in our community, they're the people that we're going to help when we get vaccinated. It's not about I, I, me, me. It's about us. It takes a village, and we got to do this together. So please, everyone, get vaccinated, because it's the people that are coming behind us is why we're building this wonderful society in a safe manner. For more information, go to VaxFactsSTL.com. That's V-A-X-F-A-C-T-S-S-T-L dot com. Now let's return to our interview with Aurora Beeler. How was that job for you? I mean, not... Right, right. So I realized that I was probably, I knew that ironwork was really a really hard job. I knew that construction was really tough and I wasn't sure if I was tough enough, but after working in the field, uh, especially in, in 20, in 2012, it was like one of the hottest summers ever recorded. You know, uh, it was a really hot summer and we had a really long drought that year. I realized that I could handle working in the heat all day. Uh, and I realized that I could do manual labor because when you're shovel scraping, you're, I mean, you're digging, you know, and then also there's, there's different samples and you have to fill up, you know, these like buckets full of dirt so then they can sample it. And, you know, um, at another place, you know, you're moving all those buckets around, you're loading up on trucks, uh, you're walking around a lot. The sites are huge. So I realized I was physically capable of doing manual labor just because of how hard the arche- like the archeology span was in the field. Um, and then, yeah, so then, then I, then I realized, okay, maybe I will give the iron worker shot. So, so uh, um, let's, let's, it, I had no idea what I was signing up for. So either. let's take that <laughs> and like, jump really to what you're was, doing now a little bit, or what you're going to be doing and what you've done in terms of the incarcerated and formerly, formerly incarcerated women, um, folks generally from a, Non-traditional, not. I mean, the, you you found out from somebody's dad, and that's how that's a typical path into the industry. Not a typical path for a woman, but the folks that are coming from that you're bringing into the bud program, they haven't been exposed to this. And you're talking about the heat and the work and all that kind of stuff. How do you see? How did you address this with the women you talked to? Was it? Vandalia, you were you were doing the work in the prison. 
yeah, so that's how, yeah, how do you project, explain to them uh, how so hard it is to work in construction, but it's rewarding, I guess. Is it, how do you convey that message? What do you hear from them that you have to address to make things work? And that would be men, women and men, I guess. So. Well, I'm not currently working uh, with I'm, – that. I'm trying to get that into the mm-hmm. work uh, for, you know, the upcoming year or uh, working with uh, – a lot of a lot of really smart people and a lot of people who who know way more about the subject. But anytime I have ever talked to any um, you know women who are not sure if they can do it, you know, a lot of times, uh, yes, like physically, women a lot of times are not as 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 a lot of men. However, uh, you know, a lot of women might not think that they can change a water cooler, but they can hold their three-year-old who's crying in the grocery store for 20 minutes as they try to get their shopping done. And so it's a perception of whether or not they think they can do it. Because, like, physically, yeah, a lot of, you know, if you're a mom, you you end up picking up your kid and carrying them around a lot, you know, especially if they're fussy or in general, right? Uh, but then also are carrying up groceries to an apartment that's three floors up. So there's a lot of, like, it's physically demanding. It is. And if you've ever been in sports or you've had a, you know, walk a lot because you didn't have a car. I mean, if you are physically active and you are a tactile person, and you like working with your hands and you're not the kind of person that can just like sit down for eight hours a day, the, the building trades, the union building trades are an excellent career path because it is, it is one of the most life changing careers that you can do because of the, the, I mean, you don't have to have a degree. Like a lot of a lot of well-paying jobs have to have a bachelor's degree, and a lot of the building trades you have to have an, a high school diploma or a DED, or and sometimes you don't need to. You can just place. You can take a, a test and be mm-hmm. able to place with them. And then, in addition to that, you know, a lot of people are have been incarcerated and with that you know there's often the stigma of whether or not they should put it on an application or like they have to right uh and luckily like people have been doing a lot of work to try to limit something in the building trades is you know it doesn't matter if you've done time it matters if you show up and you have initiative and you keep coming back every single day and you're willing to learn and I think a lot of people have a perception of what the building trades are, but it's not, you know, it's, it's kind of a weird, you know, it's like a weird uh, community of, yes, there's been a lot of people who have been in because their dad was in, their brother was in, their godfather was in, their neighbor was in, but it's not impossible to get in if you're not from here or if you're not, you know, if you're not a guy, you know, it's like, it's, there's, there's opportunities available. And I think there's just a lot of misconceptions about what those opportunities are. And how do you think, um, I mean, it's one of the things at the forum that we're actually working on with our, yeah, I built that site and working with educators and people, but what do you see as you've done your activism in the industry and as you're stepping into this job, what do you see as the things, the tools that we need to provide so that people can see these pathways and see what, see how you actually get into a trade. I think the, well, I think for one, so, um, 
you know, one of the things that really, really provoked me to try to work with, you know, people who are incarcerated, uh, I looked at the programs offered at the women's prison versus the programs offered at the men's prison. And then I looked up on the Department of Labor, the, you know, on average, like how much those occupations made per year, mm -hmm. right? So a lot of times at the women's prison, it's culinary arts, uh, cosmetology, um, you know, office work, like secretary work, uh, and then uh, like a business, like administrative assistant. Well, a lot of places to hire for administrative assistants are going to care if you have a felony. Um, and then cosmetology and culinary arts, uh, they don't pay a mm -hmm. lot. Whereas in the men's prison, they had uh, CDL training, they had welding, they had they had like a lot of different building trades and a lot of different, you know, higher paying jobs right off the bat outside, uh, like that they could apply to because they had the skills. And I think what happens a lot of time are women are shown jobs that are ultimately low paying jobs, you know, stereotypically or like culturally or whatever you want. In the United States, a lot of the best paying jobs are male dominated. And that happens for one way or another, for one reason or another. Uh, but right now there's an opportunity for women and minorities to step in because a lot of people who are older, who are older white men, who are baby boomers, who have been carrying on the unions and doing great jobs, they're retiring. And there's a constant, there's a constant demand and a huge demand for construction right now. But what's interesting is a lot of times, you know, it's like, oh, we don't have any workers. We don't have any workers, but no one's actually thinking, oh, we're, we, well, we have, a, you know, like, where's the women, you know, like women can fill those roles. And women have historically filled those roles, for example, in World War II, because everyone knows Rosie the River. But we just have to get over that cultural mindset. And the easiest way to do that is to show the numbers of how much these trades are paying, what their benefits are, and how can, how, what are the benefits for their family? Because a lot of people are taking care of family members and they need to be able to, yeah, like, can I provide for my kid? You know, can I, like, what, what is the health insurance like? Can my kid go to the dentist? And, those are the important things. And so if you're trying to sell a career for women, especially if they're not from a traditionally from their, not from a trades background. Yeah. The money, the, the pride that you get from, from the work that you've been doing, because you can drive around all of the St. Louis and be like, I worked on that building. I worked on that building. Uh, the sense of independence of being able to, you know, like learn and, and not have to depend on anyone financially and uh, and then also be able to provide for your family and taking care of whoever that. Have might you be. seen our career? So that was that would be have the way. Have you seen our career website? Um, I've looked around a little bit. Okay, I'll send uh, I'll send it sure to you. I'm going to edit this out, but it's called Yeah, I built that. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I have seen that. That's, okay, that's yep. it. Yeah, but that's why, because I was I was trying I was trying to latch on to something, and exactly what you're saying is or what you said about pointing at what you built. Uh, so we've we've couched um, diversity in St. Louis as a black and white thing. Uh, we have tried primarily, you're talking about women. So women is another part of diversity. 
brown skinned people are another part of diversity. Uh, different orientations are another part of diversity. How do you see that playing into your work going forward? Well, um, I am lucky enough to know several types and several different groups of people. And I think the mentoring is one of the most important parts of BUD program. Being able to connect someone that knows what you're going through is the easiest and and the most like uh, it's not the most important ways to have retention. And so, if I didn't meet other tradeswomen in the building trades, and I felt alone, you know, when I was a first year apprentice, I had no idea what I was doing, and I felt like I was just kind of like thrown out there. I probably would have quit, but because I've met other tradeswomen who have helped me along the way and supported me, that has made me stick it through because someone's already gone through the same thing. And so with the BUD program, being able to connect uh, the, the BUD students with people who are from their community or have gone through what they've gone through or, or relate, can relate to them in some sort of way is the most important thing. And that that will help them. That will help them go, okay, so this isn't just me. This happens to everybody. And then you can kind of like let that go, get your head back in the game, and then go back to work. Okay. Um, so how did you um, find your way to activism in the industry? Because you've done a lot of political activism. You've given speeches. I mean, it's out there. What, what was the pathway to that and, and the why of it? And how? Uh, that probably started in high school, actually. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I I have always been someone that has said something if I saw something was unjust, um, and I like I it's it's to my core. I if I see someone that's being wronged, like I will try to stand up for them as much as I can, and I think with the with the, the, I mean, so in the book, the tipping point, right? So there, you know, there has to be a majority, right? Of, um, and I'm kind of going off on a tangent, but I often think about this. There's women are four percent of the industry. Uh, I you a lot of out LGBT, uh, Q plus or, or QI plus people in the building trades. Uh, you know, there there's still a lot of systematic and cultural. Uh, you know, uh, racism and 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 things that are keeping people down because people are people. However, those things can change with the tipping point. And so, the more people that you have, and the more diverse group you have, the better it's going to be for everybody, and the easier it's going to be if you're not from that background. And I think with you know when I came into the building trades. Uh, I, I started Ironwork on, I guess, January of 2014 mm-hmm. or sometime. Yeah, sometime around there. I mean, it's even in my short time of being in the building trades, it's changed a ton and it's gotten way more progressive. And it's, it's amazing to see the accomplishments and the changes and the positive changes that has happened in my short time. And so whenever people are like, oh, that'll never happen, that can't happen, it's like, okay, you know, let, 
you want to bet? You know, like I'm that nothing's, you know, like, let me see if I can try, you know, let me, let me take a crack at it or Hey, let me make it, you know, thanks for listening to this interview with Ron Unterreiner, people of construction on forum focus. I'm your host, Tom Feynman. Like glacier speed sometimes for certain things, but what got me into it is, yeah, like, why aren't there more women on the job? Like, how many women are how many women are, are in, you know, the certain locals? Like, are you sending women to the women's uh, conference that, you know, is fundamentally, like, I mean, it's absolutely one of the best uh, conferences for women in work and trades to connect with other women, to learn skill sets. How, how, like, are you... Does your union have a women's committee? Does your union have uh, any sort of like diversity, like diversity uh, committee? And it's just things like that. And yeah, I mean, 20 years ago, it was probably worse. And 30 ago, it was even worse. Um, But it's changed now and it's changing and it's going to change because, you know, people are, people want to see, they want to see their union succeed. And they want to see that their trades are doing better. And with the activism, sometimes you just need to be the first person on the dance floor. You know, it's a little scary, but eventually more people will get out on the dance floor. And then, you know, the more people that are out there, the the easier it's going to be for everyone else, you know, to go dance. And, you know, right now it seems like there's not too many of us on the dance floor, but we're out there and we're not going to be alone forever. Thank you. You've been listening to Forum Focus, the podcast of Construction Forum. I'm your host, Tom Finan.